0: Reveille, Reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. On this first day of December 2021, there's no vacation. There's no third world stomach virus. It's just BC, LT, and MK all that you can handle. Welcome everyone. How are you doing to this Wednesday edition of the show? My name is Luke Thomas. I am merely one half of your hosting duo and I am live and in the flesh here in the capital of Los Estados Unidos in Washington, D.C. joined by the prince, not of Persia like Shaquille Mejuri, but the prince of Connecticut, my friend and yours. He is Brian Campbell. We're both from CBS Sports. BC, how you doing, big friend?
1: I'm doing great, hung over off of two drinks last night, but ready to party, ready to mingle, not single at all. But, Luke, don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. This is one of the most anticipated reunions. While we appreciate our many great friends in the business, like Oscar Willis, Kieran Mulvaney, Dan Canobio, the Persian-French prince himself, Shaquille Majorie, there ain't nothing like you and me together. And as much as I'm trying to be cool here, Luke, and look a lot like my new spirit animal, Bob Marley. I got kind of a young Randy Couture vibe going right now, don't I? What'd you say?
0: Uh, I would say more like guy asking for a loose change at the bus stop kind of vibe.
1: I mean, I guess that's better than 43-year-old dad trying to retain some <laughs> level of uh, coolness on the way out. You.
0: Did, but, did you buy this hat thinking like, if I wear this hat, I'll be cool?
1: Well... 10% that, but really 90%, I have a massive melon, Luke, and most yeah. hats sit like a beanie on top of my head, and this was one that the fine people in Jamaica made large enough that actually fits the whole thing, so, uh, you know, I got the same issue with condoms, but that's all right. No,
0: yeah, no, all yeah right. I bet, I bet. I bet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way with uh, with buying hats. I'm like, this hat, everyone thinks my hats are just that with bills on them, uh, but because my head is so goddamn huge. So if I can find one that fits, even if it's stupid, I'll just wear it because I'm like, wow, this is comfortable. Um,
1: well, you do all right, look, man. Well, you, we- you do look a bit orthodox with that beard, though. But anyway, Luke, uh, as you mentioned off the top of the illness, <laughs> great to have you back. Dude, you had stuff shooting out of many orifices uh, the last eight days.
0: Yeah. So uh, you guys might have remembered, I'm, I'm, and I think I mentioned something on the show at one point. My daughter have got really sick like two, three weeks ago. Like really sick. We had to take her to the hospital sick. And, um, but she's fine now. Everything is great. But then my wife got what she had and I was like, oh, I'm money. Cause if she got it and I didn't, I must've just not caught it. And then I got it third. And it was, it was, it was the worst uh, stomach virus I've had since I told you, this, since I went to uh, Egypt as a kid and I drank mango juice from a street vendor. And that just completely tore me apart. Man, that was like a third-world virus that ran through me. Um, the the, the difference terrible. is, Luke,
1: the aftermath of that saw you squat over a hole in the ground, right? Where this aftermath... No,
0: no, my what dad happened? was the diplomat, so we stayed at a really nice uh, Marriott in downtown Cairo, actually. Wow. Um, so, no, I can't say it was quite like that. Although your impressions of Egypt are both somewhat racist and vaguely ignorant. But oh, come in, on. Either, okay. in either case... In either case, I will say that uh, the end result, whether it is Egypt or whether it is not, it was it was terrible, dude. I didn't have a Thanksgiving. I was so sick on Thanksgiving I couldn't eat anything. I ate I ate nothing. Um, I had to travel to see my family, so I didn't get to see them. But it was it was dude. The last eight days have been terrible, 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 your terrible. Did dad so. ask
1: you at all about that rental property in Vegas, or did he focus more on the successes of your life and career?
0: uh he did in fact ask about the rental property <laughs> yes because uh you know my next travel's out there he wants to see what's happening with it although he did ask me about the show so I was like you oh, fired hey. yet buddy you know that kind okay. of okay
1: okay dad I all see right. you all right
0: all right all right uh well I I, I we're back is the good news so I want yes. to thank everyone for sticking around for some the holidays are always weird because you're kind of on vacation I'm on vacation things happen but here we are. Now, point of order. Thumbs up on the video if you are watching on YouTube. Subscribe on the video if you are watching on YouTube. If you are listening on the podcast, give whatever platform you're on with the show a nice review, including, but not limited to, Apple. Give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. I do think we still have to hand out some of the gift cards we promised for that, but please help us scam whatever algorithm we need to get ahead we in this world. building
1: a huge audio-only army, Luke. I believe we just set a record for most uh, podcast downloads in MK history. this month so uh yes back, you know, back it, to back
0: months back to y'all back months. don't like
1: seeing our our mugs that's fine you can listen to have you seen the shit audio version i'm sure it's breathtaking yeah
0: it probably is great uh, to listen to a video centered segment on audio only um all right so that's out of the way you can email us because today we will have fan subs friday we will do dead wrong bcu by the way probably gonna have an avalanche of those since i had to go through my own gauntlet of them but hey, we'll see
1: it, it, bring that shit to me okay i'm ready let's go
0: All right, morningcombat at gmail.com will, of course, be the email address for that. And merch, 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 merch. If you want to buy underwear with me and Brian going tip to tip on the ass of it, and by the way, that is a literal thing that is happening, you can go to morningcombat.store. I saw that on there, I'm like, BC, I can't tell if we've made it or we're just parodies of ourselves at this point.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I don't think that code is active that just showed up on the screen, but I have talked to our our fine new merch man RJ Dunklemaker and he told me Luke the Monday Cyber Monday deal that we had is extended it's still going on right now so if you spend nice. a hundo, you get 10% off if you spend 150 you get 15 you spend you drop two bills on some mk okay you're going to get you're going to get 20% off so why don't you keep that going we gave out some free drug rugs on on Monday to some of our lo- most loyal p1s Luke who not only watched us live but sat through that great 35 minute uh Technical difficulty debacle when the mm. internet at the Malka facility went out. Uh, but hey, we're back from that, Luke. People can get our merch. Look, I don't tell my dad, but I'm I bought him those that underwear. Well, okay, I didn't I didn't pay for it. Let's be fair But I I got him that underwear for Christmas. You should get the same for 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 Rob Thomas. I'm telling you, it'd be it'd be fun, Luke. It'd be a nice little heartwarming moment. Look at that. Imagine he awesome. would
0: complain. He would complain about how much space it's taking up in his trash can. <laughs>
1: He may not have supported us a lot, but if he wears those, Luke, we'll be supporting his most delicates. You know what I'm saying? We'll be. I, we'll I, be right I'm through. looking at
0: this and I'm like, dude, did we make it or are we absolute clown shoes? I, I probably a little bit of both. Probably a little <laughs> Is bit this
1: both. our best moment or our worst? I'm gonna go with best, Luke. Really, I'm gonna stick with stay on brand with that.
0: All right. Well, with that out of the way, we have a lot of show to get to today. As I mentioned, fan subs we'll do a little bit later. Plus, there's just a ton to get to. So, if you are ready, Brian, uh, I would like to begin here. Um, Okay, first things up. Now we know on Monday that Brian and Shaq, and as well as with uh, with, with uh, uh, Brian Canibio.
1: How do you pronounce his last name? Canobio. Canobio. Well, normally we call him Dan Canobio. But Dan. Yeah, that's sorry,
0: Dan. My bad. I apologize. His
1: dad. Thanks. His dad created CompuBox. Luke.
0: Okay. That I. That I did know. Uh, In either case, I know you got to a lot of the MMA storylines, so let me reframe them uh, as we head into the Friday's Bellator, Saturday's UFC event, where where basically the Bantamweight division in either case is on display. Let me ask you a question, BC. Maybe I should go first because I have one main event in mind, Yeah. but I wanted us to pick out three of the favorite, best, slash, most interesting fights of the weekend. May may I go go first first, on this one only only because Uh, I, I have one main event in there?
1: Yeah, I dabbled a little on Monday. I want to hear, get, you know, you take the high road, Luke. How about I take the low road? And, and you give the fights that maybe the fans are going to be most excited to see. I'll give the fights that they don't know they need to see. All right? How okay.
0: About that? okay. That I like that. I like that a lot. All right. First one up for me. This could be either UFC or Bellator or, frankly, anything else that's out there. We're going to center our discussion probably on the two major events there. Listen, you can pick Rob Font versus Aldo. It is clearly one of the best fights of the weekend. Frankly, one of the most important fights of the weekend. Um, that's an easy one to slot in. However, I'm going to look to the co-main event, BC. Let's talk about Brad Riddell taking on Rafael Fazayev. Two guys who were once training partners at Tiger Muay Thai. I think they were both the striking coach there at one point. I think one replaced the other one, if I'm not mistaken. But in either case... They do have familiarity with each other. Brad Riddell telling, I think, Submission Radio that you know he was gonna. He texted Rafaela, uh, friends before, friends after. Do you want to do this? And everything was uh, copacetic. This is an excellent contest because here you have two guys with an outstanding pedigree in kickboxing. And that's just not me saying it. That's me listening to what kickboxing fans and journalists are saying. And they're saying that these two guys have actual real kickboxing credentials. They're not some guys that are being hyped up as, oh, these are world-class strikers who are in MMA. And we're just saying that without there actually being any reality behind it. No, we have two guys who are very good kickboxers and have familiarity with one another. My question for you about this one, BC, it's going to be a hell of a brawl, hell of an action fight. Do you see either of these guys as a dark horse potential lightweight contender? That's not where we are right now. This is a, a building fight for them. But are there, is there real championship potential in this contest?
1: I do. That's why this ha- has sort of one of those sneaky, you know, I th- my reference point is always John Jones versus Ryan Bader, right? Who's going to be the next guy? You know, l- let's have them fight each other. These two certainly aren't at that level of expectation. But when you look at this great lightweight division, what are these guys ranked? Twelve and 15 or 16 right around there um there's gonna be we're in the midst of a, of a transition i mean look bantamweight in the ufc in the men's side sort of just passed lightweight recently in terms of our eyes of being the deepest and best division in the game and obviously ufc so stocked, there's a few different divisions there that are close lightweight was historically amazing the last few years but the guys are getting a little older a little washier habib's gone connor and tony feel like they're going in the other direction it's time to find out who's got next, and the winner of this is going to get that chance to really make a, a firm leap into that top 10 and fight the type of names you need to fight some of those RDAs, some of those guys on the way out to prove that you're next. The fact that they're fighting one another, I mean, that's just that. that these, these are one, This type of fight that we're going to get between these two, forget the fact that it's going to be all action because they're styles and they know each other well, but just what this fight represents, two guys that have bright futures going in the right direction, but we're not going to match them against an old guy to find out. We're going to match them against each other. This is one of my favorite type of fights as a fight fan, Luke. So I I think this is can't miss across the board. And yes, the spirit of your original question, the winner is going to really make some noise moving forward because it's time to find out, you know, not only who's the best lightweight in the world, and, and we're a week away from finding that out officially with Habib gone, but let's find out. You know Who's knocking on that door? Who's coming in the next three to five years in this division? That's what this I
0: think, represents. I totally agree with you. And I think there's one other element to this fight that should kind of be noted here, which is both of these guys, as we talked about ad nauseum at this point, have decorated kickboxing backgrounds. But what's kind of interesting about it is they have not necessarily run over their opposition, either in totality or even necessarily with their kickboxing. Now, it has been formidable. And in fact, if you look at the case of Brad Riddell in his last fight against Drew Dober. He had to kind of rally in that fight a little bit late, which was both his kickboxing skill and his overall combat sports medal. And he showed a lot of it there in getting that win. It was a hard-fought, gritty, you know, tough win to get, and he got it. But what I mean to say is, you know, look at his run to this point. He has a win over Jamie Malarkey. He had a split decision win over Mastav- Magomed Mustafaev, which I think he and Fazayev have a common opponent there. Fazayev lost to Mustafaev. He had a ho hum or decent win over Alex de Silva Coelho, and then he had the really tough fight against Drew Dober, so he has slowly, by the way, undefeated in UFC, but what I'm saying is he's had to kind of work at it the whole time to really show what he can do. In the case of Fizayev, it's something similar. He lost his UFC debut to Ahmed Mustafia, but then since then, beaten Alex White, beaten Mark Casey, KO'd Hanato Moikano. That was the big standout one. But Bobby Green gave him a little bit of trouble as well. Now, we know Bobby Green's really good. What he I mean to say is... Trouble. Yeah. yeah, he exactly. He gives everybody trouble for the most part. Maybe not Dustin Poirier, but that's about it. You get my point. These guys have had to kind of still gut things out to get where they're going. So what I'm saying is what I want to see out of this fight is not just who is the better of the two, who's coming, who's going, what is their potential championship future. I want to see them round some corners. I want to see them show the overall MMA progress that I know that they've been working on or probably are eager to show. But this is one of those fights where someone's going to have to take a big step to really plant their flag as like a future person of interest in this division. If you look at where they're at, they're outside of the top ten, they're inside the top fifteen. By the way, so is Armin Yukin. So this is actually a pretty good company. But what I mean to say is, they have had good moments. They've had, in the case of Fazayev, one great moment. But I don't think they've had those standout moments, that standout win, that really kind of I'm here moment. This is an opportunity to not only get a win over a guy who people respect, in the case of Riddell or Fazayev but to really show maturation, uh, and I am ready for the deeper waters of this division.
1: Well, first of all, I love the way you say Mustayev. It's very, you know, Palpatine of you. (laughs) Go to the Mustayev system. Um, (laughs) Secondly, Luke, the, the elephant in the room is that very large pipe you're holding, your CKB, your city kickboner. Will you be able to move that out of the way to properly handicap? Because this fight is not only so great... But Caesar Sportsbook has it as a virtual pick'em with Riddell plus 105, Fiziev minus 125. I'm sure on Friday's show, Luke, we're gonna X's and O's the shit out of this. But are you have you ever picked against a a CKB in a big fight? I don't think that's happened, Luke.
0: No, I definitely have. I think I've picked against Shane Young. I think I've picked against Kai Kara France. I said I, in a
1: big fight. I I did I did I did. Okay, Kai
0: France okay. has been in some big fights. I Shane mean, when you say Young big, you mean like main events? events? This isn't even a main event. A um, look, okay? um, it's a big yeah. fight. It's a big fight. The odds currently, our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook have Fazayev as a minus 125, Riddell at plus 125. So they have hey, look, is there as a. The,
1: is there any chance you heard me say that about eight seconds ago?
0: Hold on, hold on. So I, I would say that to answer your question, I would agree with that framing. I would give Fazayev the slight edge. I think. Um, a little bit faster, a little bit more explosive. I think he takes more risks, so that could cause him trouble. And again, we will X's and O's this on Friday. Um, but I think that that speed and that explosivity, that could be a difference maker, especially early. Well, really down. And and, and also, it's only a three-round fight. That also, to me, could be kind of interesting as well. But I will also say in defense of Brad Riddell, I think he is, you know, if... Could be the equal part of Fazayev, and then on top of that, I think some of the other parts of his game he's really worked on, like the wrestling. So that could be an interesting one. I agree, Fazayev should be slightly favored. I think the the odds makers it's a have a, a, a decent.
1: Neither of us had the odds, the betting odds in front of us though. If anyone has those from Caesar sportsbook send them to us. Probably pretty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm just pointing out. I like the way that that is sort of set up there, where it's close to a pickup, but not quite. One guy's got the edge. Now, would you say um, this
1: weekend that MMA wise that that is your that's the fight you're most looking forward to?
0: No, that is not the fight I'm most looking forward to. To answer your question, the fight I'm most looking forward to, and I know you guys discussed it a bit on Monday, so we don't have to rehash too much of it, but it's Horiguchi versus Pettis. That, to yeah. me, is the number one fight all weekend. That is Bellator putting, quite literally, its best foot forward in terms of presenting the world with a world-class product between two world-class competitors in a serious bout of consequence. I know you guys got to it on Monday. Well, let me ask so you just...
1: something we didn't get to, Luke. We, okay. we hit up already you know, could the winner of this be the best bantamweight in the world? And you and you don't ask that to be cheeky, but you ask that because Horiguchi has been so unbelievable throughout this run, and he's very underrated, and, and you know, they call him the best at ATT, and, you know, I know King Mo's been singing this praise forever. But, Luke, the one storyline we didn't hit on Monday, and I don't hear a lot of people talking about I wanted to know if you think it'll play a factor in this bout. We know how great both of these guys are. We know that is a slight betting favorite, and we feel like... Sergio's rising, you know, we're going to find out if he can rise to that next, next level. But what about the fact that Horiguchi enters here, you know, on almost a one-year layoff following a fairly serious knee injury, which forced him to essentially give up both the Bellator and the Risen titles. Are we overlooking what that could potentially mean when you consider that Horiguchi, the Gucci is, is great, but he's 31 and Pettis is coming, and if you're going to come.
0: Yeah, we know the rule. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: I would say it's a great question. There's just simply no way to know from the outside. I would be more concerned if he was at Bantamweight 34, 35, 36. Then I would have serious questions about that. Because at Bantamweight, a general... uh, in any weight class, a high degree of athleticism is going to be important. At bantamweight, being nimble and fleet of foot is critical. Um, but at 31, and with the kind of training that he has, with the kind of athlete that he, has, well, that he is, rather, there is still room for optimism about him retaining his athletic gifts, at least through this phase of his athletic career. We don't know. We'll have to see. I think it's an absolutely fair point to raise. And also, the other point is, and I'm sure you guys talked about it, Dude, Pettis has just improved dramatically in the last couple of years. He has really, really turned into something kind of special. I think he still lacks a little bit in terms of uh, sticking it to opponents in the striking department, the kind of landing the kinds of things with authority that get them to change their game. That part to me is still a little bit missing, although not as much as it used to be, Um, but he can still... You know, uh, play the dozens, so to speak, with anybody in that division, including Horiguchi, I think for some time, Pettis makes smart decisions. He's careful. He doesn't take a lot of unnecessary, stupid risks. Like this is a tough fight either way. So your point is well taken, BC. I like that you bring it up. We shouldn't lose sight of that. You know, people brought the fact that Teofimo was disclosing all kinds of crazy shit before his fight, and most of us just ignored it, including me and you. And then you see, oh shit, that actually stuff kind of matters. So we'll have to pay attention to it but I would not say that it is automatically one of those things where I'm like, red flag, it's bad, you can't lose sight of this, this is first and foremost. It's real, but it may not be any kind of a deciding factor given his age and given some of the time off and obviously some of the other pedigree that we know from him. Did you notice um, the
1: weird the weird symmetry combat-wise this weekend, Luke? We're going to get into the boxing in a second, but we got two lightweight boxing title main events on separate networks that... Really speak to where we are in the overall title picture, especially fresh off of the Teofima Lopez upset. But then in MMA, we've got two different promotions on separate networks with two very big bantamweight bouts. Mm-hmm. And the champion on one side, Sergio Pettis, who's won four in a row, just won the title and is speaking, his last loss came against Rob Font, who's in the main event on the other side. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, cross pollination loop in here. It's there very, really is. Very West Virginia, Mountain Mama, you know?
0: uh john denver god bless him um yeah no the the, the the at this point when you've got a friday and a saturday night both being headlined in two different organizations in two different parts of the country and either of the winners has a claim to being the best bantamweight it tells you a lot about that strength of that division and how just even more than that how important that division is for mma promoters at this point it's really quite an interesting showcase for me, though, BC, the last one on my list before we get to yours, again, we're not saying it's the one that you have to like the most or anybody else, but it's one I've got my eye on. So I mentioned Horiguchi and Pettis and Riddell versus Vizayev. Morano versus Gall. Alex Morano taking on Mickey Gall. This will be on the UFC card. I got to tell you, this is a really interesting one. Now, Gall started the UFC three wins in a row, I think, over a Punk, Northcutt, and uh, Mike Jackson. But since then, he's been up and down and all over the place, and he had the terrible loss to Diego Sanchez, and he had the kidney issues. And dude, got to remember this. He's been in the UFC for five years. For five years. If you are going to show the kind of progress that you need to show, where five years after your entrance, you're ready to beat the Alex Moreno types, yeah, this is quite literally the time to do that. In the case of Moreno, he has been a guy under the steady tutelage of Saif Saoud at a Fortis MMA where he has been kind of steadily knocking at the door, always making improvements, steadily knocking at the door of getting bigger and bigger wins. And he is finally beginning to do that. In the case of Mickey Gall, I actually think Morneau, I don't know what the odds are. I would imagine Morneau is favored to win this one. Let's double check that here if I can. Yes, he is pretty considerably. Caesar Sportsbook has him as a minus 230 to a plus 190 for Mickey Gall. But Morneau has been one of those guys who hasn't had a lot of fanfare, who has been in the trenches, who has been working really hard and has piece together, I would actually argue, a pretty nice game at this point. But Mickey Gall, maybe he's finally ready to take off. And we're going to see, again, who's coming, who's going, who's got the better game at this point. It's actually a pretty interesting little scrap there on the prelim card.
1: Yeah, and it does it, it, it's buried out there on the prelims. And it does promise uh, action and the potential for for some desperation because they can both use a big win. I mean, I, I don't know where Gall is. I love watching him. You know, he's, he's a little bit corny, but he's also – from the very beginning, had, had big balls and sort of wanted big challenges. Um, I think he was a victim of his own early success because it came against a, a pro wrestler, a videographer, and another guy who probably got a little bit too much attention and success too early in Sage Northcutt that inevitably, you know, Gall got a little bit probably too big for himself. And But it's not like he's a a, a washout or a bust necessarily. I mean, he has alternated wins and losses in his last five since that original three pack of wins that you mentioned. So it's like he's shown such equal good and bad in the in that stretch that it's really hard to know. I know there's injuries as you reference. It's really hard to know if he can still be that guy. He's still freaking young as crap, right, Luke?
0: Uh who? Mickey Gall? Yeah. He he Mickey Gall, I think is I'm gonna say twenty-nine. Let me see if I can verify. Yep, twenty-nine years of age. Alex right, Moreno, well, he's, he's getting there. He's 31. He,
1: it's, it's, it's time. It's time to go for him. It's time to go. And More- and More- look, Morono brings it. You know, you're, not, you're only going to get so much credit for for mopping up a Wash Cowboy, although we tend to have give Conor a lot of credit for that. Um, But, you know, <laughs> he's coming too. So, yeah, let's see this, Luke. I'm interested in the three fights that you have targeted, certainly. And, obviously, we want to watch the shit out of Font Aldo. Luke, you got anything to yes, say about that? Yes, of course.
0: I mean, I I could have eased. I just didn't want to put two main events on my list of three. One other note here, though, by the way, BC, before we transition to your list, Mickey Gall started fighting in the UFC in February of 2016. And uh, Alex Moreno started fighting in the UFC in January of 2016. So, pretty close time. Since then, um, Moreno has had, I think, 14 or 15 fights in the UFC. Mickey Gall, just nine. So, he's been more active. And in his last two fights, he beat Don Cerrone and then David Zawada, as you indicated. So, he's got uh, two wins to his name. Every time he went up before against Pettis, Chaos Williams, Jordan Meehan, he lost. It looks like he's trying to actually be like, oh no, I'm not the guy who every time he steps up, he loses. Now, I don't know if Mickey Gall qualifies in the same level of even a Wash Cerrone in that sense, but you get what I'm saying. He's trying to turn this corner in his career, put three wins together in the UFC. He has one of those previously, but against some names that folks may not recognize, although Max Griffin would be one of them. But you get the idea. They've been in the UFC the exact, almost the exact same amount of time. Who has done more with the time that they've been there? We're going to find out on Saturday. We're
1: going to find out. Uh, Have you you people, uh, uh, what's the guy's new rap CD that's out there that Ariel's uh got a hard on from here to Hanover about? You see that shit?
0: I did not. All
1: right, Bryce Bryce Mitchell is that the guy's name?
0: Uh oh oh, didn't he have some mixtape or something?
1: Yeah, just I just said that. But... I right, know, but no, you
0: said an album or something, and it's not yeah, quite the same.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, it'll take us a while to get back into, Luke. We've been gone for a while here. Um, just listen, right.
0: just lick my balls and we'll be fine.
1: Yeah, we'll keep doing that. All right, Luke, you know, usually w- when 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 you go high, I ask if you have any extra, I can join you. But in this case, Luke, uh, I try to go low to offset that. So here are maybe some under-the-radar ones that made me pop. Look, Bellator 272, of course, is Friday night, only on Showtime. And we do have Sergio Pettis versus Gyoji Horiguchi. Can't wait to see it. I like Emmanuel Sanchez also coming back in that co-main against Jeremy Kennedy. But Luke buried on this undercard. I don't know if we need to... Remember how Tommy Heinsohn had Tommy points? We need to call these BC specials. These these prelim undercard bouts that have me tuning in early. Luke, in a 160-pound catchweight bout, the Alpha Ginger is back. Spike Carlisle will make his Bellator debut... Against a Dan Moret, who's won two in a row, beat uh, Goichi Yamauchi, coming in kind of hot there. Luke, you remember Spike Carlisle was one of the early stars of the pandemic for UFC. He's got the red cornrows. He's in great physical shape, and he fights like he's uh, (laughs) on a shitload of Adderall. And, uh, Luke, he's like those... Remember, like, playing pickup ball in your early 20s? And there'd be those guys who come on the court, and they can do flashy-as-shit crossovers and they look like oh crap this guy can can ball but then they have like no defense and they can't shoot and they're really just yeah you dude
0: know. he's he's an and one MMA fighter
1: Exactly he looks the part in every category and he makes fun fights he also Super typically fun. gasses himself out He had that war with our friend of the show Billy Q right here but Luke I'm interested to see he's won 3 in a row in 3 separate regional organizations since being cut by the UFC If you remember he won his UFC debut lost 2 in a row So this will be interesting because we always say, if you're a colorful character and maybe you're a little limited or maybe we don't know how good you are, sometimes Bellator is the right spot for you with the type of matchmaking you can get to find out how good you are while still showcasing the weirdness that you bring, the must-see that you bring. And to be fair, even Valerie Loretta's in this category, to be fair, Luke, right? When she shows up on prelims, we're like, all right, we've got to see it. Um, I got to see this Spike Carlisle return there, all right? shout out to Yeah, uh, actually, I,
0: th- I saw I, – I don't know which one of them I saw, but I recently saw one of his fights since being bounced from the UFC. I think it was one of his more recent ones, and he looked a lot sharper. He looked like he had made some improvements, but it still looks like that DNA of his to just barbarian his way through a fight, a lot of that is still in play. You one time called him, I think, something that is pretty accurate, which is – it wasn't an insult it was actually a compliment of the way he fights which is you called him like the and this is what you would call someone in boxing and you called him a tv fighter right someone you know you can put on tv and it's just reliably action oriented you're going to get that probably with spark yeah i mean
1: he's kind of like me in front of a microphone not only do do we both hold it like a grudge but he he comes to win he goes for it whether he belongs there or not or whether he's making the right choices or not he's common luke so that's fun to watch let's go over to the ufc fight night card Another BC special to circle. And I know, Luke, you're going to go, oh, BC, I know why you like this fighter. But, Luke, <laughs> tell me Cheyenne Baze is in must-see. Tell me Cheyenne bases is it must-see TV every single time. She just had a COVID uh, setback, which knocked her out of that loma luke Boone fight. But she's back on this undercard, buried in the prelims, women's straw weights against Mallory Martin. And, Luke, the two times that we've seen Cheyenne, she had that fight with Montserrat where she threatened to follow that bitch home, right? And then the second time, she gets a violent and aggressive nasty win and then gets on the microphone and gets real with us about fighter pay and about the life that she had certainly she had virtually doubled down on her finances and it was winner go home and she had got the 50k bonus that night. Um didn't somebody tweet that she that she Petition the UFC to get her last name changed. Luke, does that? I
0: think, she, yeah. I think. I think. Did she split with her husband because her name is now what her maiden name was, which was like Valius. Valius. Yeah, I. You know, I don't
1: want to. I don't want to peddle. Uh, you know, uh, get grocery store line tabloid type stuff here. I don't know their relationship. He hasn't shown up on her IG. They tell me in a while, Luke. You know, I've. I am certainly not following her, or am I? Uh,
0: oh, Vlismus. She's,
1: she's fun to watch. I don't know how good she is because of the level of competition so far. She's, what, one-on-one in the UFC? But she's hungry and goes after it. And if I'm going to circle it on the calendar for a BC special, you better believe there's a fighter that's coming for it. She's one of those. Should be an interesting matchup against Mallory Martin. And finally, Luke, you know I'm souring on my former taste for old guy fights. But it is a little bit interesting that on this UFC main card and lightweight bout, Clay Guida versus Leonardo Santos. Combined age in this one, Luke? 80 as the oh, square
0: oh, off. Oh. And, Wow! And again, Seriously, I knew Leonardo again, Santos do, was old. He's
1: 41. What do I want to see Clay Guida keep taking headshots? Maybe not. But Luke, he does come. He does come, Right, he brings it. So uh, you know, if the veteran in the game only has a few more, and he's fresh off that split decision loss to Marco Madsen in which he pushed the pace, he's been competitive during the twilight of his career. Oh, uh, he is fun to watch, Luke. So I'll be circling those 3 come Friday and Saturday night.
0: Dude, Leonardo Santos is an unbelievable guy. He took the bronze at ADCC. Ready for this BC in 2001. In wow. 2001 and this fucker is still out here. His resume is unbelievable, right? So he beat uh, William Macario back in whenever the fuck 2013, Norman Park, you had a draw with him in 2014. He beat Efraín Escudero then he beat Anthony Rocco Martin, who just got arrested for allegedly peeing on the floor of a casino in Vegas. Yeah, Then, dude, don't you remember that, this in 2015? Talk about fall,
1: falls from grace. Good Lord, yeah. Luke.
0: I don't know what happened there. Uh, and then, uh, remember he knocked out Kevin Lee? Do you remember that in 2015? Like came out of nowhere. You knew he had, like, sick jujitsu, jitsu right? Because he was, like, Aldo's coach for a time and longtime friend. And then he beat Adriano Martins, then Stevie Ray. And you're like, okay, but the Stevie Ray fight was three years after the Martins fight. He fought once in 2020. He beat Roman Bogatov, and that, uh, the, the dude who got kicked out of the UFC for kicking everyone in the balls forever. And then he lost to Grant Dawson uh, in the third round of his return fight. 41, still out here doing it. He's got one UFC loss, and he's been competing since 2013 because it's been so infrequent due to injury and everything else that's going on. He's had a really unusual uh, run in the UFC.
1: Very unusual, yeah. So this is a, it's a weird fight, but uh, I'll be tuned in. I'll be watching it Uh Fun, fun weekend plans here for MMA, Luke. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, even though I've got a uh, got a wedding to go to this weekend, so I won't be on the ones and twos on Saturday, okay?
0: Um, That's a shame, but nevertheless, real quickly on that one, by the way, did you see Diego Sanchez has, like, the worst bout of COVID, and he's in the hospital? I did not see that. You did not see this? Yeah, well, I, I have to send you this stuff. Speaking of old guy fights, because we had Clay Guida, but Diego's been in the hospital for, like, 30 days at this point. He has pneumonia, blood clots, like, the whole nine yards. Like, it got – he got – Fucked up off of it. So I hope he's okay. Yeah, Yeah, no, of course. I mean, who would want to wish anything bad on him? I hope he'll be okay, but Jesus. All right. Topic number two, BC. This weekend is not just UFC. It's not just Bellator. Boxing is back. In fact, Showtime pay-per-view boxing is back. Where Gervonta Davis, who was supposed to take on Rolando Romero before these terrible sexual assault allegations were lobbied, he gets removed, and they bring in Isak Cruz. Now, we have talked about this fight when it first got made, BC. We were, I think, at the Canelo fight. I think, when all of this went down. Isak Cruz is an incredible guy, come-forward brawler, in-your-face, the whole nine yards. But he's only got a month to prepare. On the other side of things, this is where I want to start with you, BC. What do you make of Gervonta, at 26 years of age, not kicking out, but putting longtime trainer Calvin Ford to the side? Now, who he brought in maybe one of the guys I respect most in boxing, Washington, D.C.'s own Barry Hunter, and along with the, the mitt holder there, Boogie, Patrice Harris, they brought him in as well. Why did they do that, and what do you make of it?
1: You know, I I don't have the official story, because when I did host for Showtime in L.A., the original press conference for this on the roof deck of the Staples Center, both Calvin Ford and Barry Hunter were there. Now, look, those are two OGs in the training game, one from Baltimore, one from D.C. You know, they've cross-pollinated before, but you did see in all-access that there was the official change being made with Ford taking a step back and Hunter as the lead role. Look, Hunter's resume is as good as anyone in this boxing game historically from the Peterson brothers beyond. In fact, he was just brought in by Sean Porter in the Terrence Crawford fight, and you can see how different and really, really, Luke, I, we, I didn't talk about this because I was away, but that performance by Sean Porter in a loss was some of the best stuff his, he's ever looked That's some of the best he's ever looked in his entire career. He looked, so that's he just looked telling awesome. You, what you need to know about Barry Hunter. Gervonta explained it away in the first episode of All Access, is sort of being, look, we just want to keep adding on to what he's his you know his evolution as a fighter has been, and it's smart in my eyes. I don't know if there's any further detail. Hopefully that can get ironed out and fleshed out. You know, during fight week we can figure it out. But this is a unique event. It's a Sunday night pay per view once again. It's becoming a unique event whenever Gervonta fights because Luke, say what you will about him, and yes, he's had multiple missteps outside the ring he is becoming you know a true celebrity fan favorite meaning when he fights whether it's atlanta baltimore you know now staples center wherever the crowds show up the celebrities lie in the front rows and he delivers big time knockouts but i think lost in that luke is he's a way better boxer and really complete fighter than he gets credit now he's had a lot of things against him that i think is held back Giving him some of the the pound for pound credit that I think he lacks. Uh, let's be honest here, Luke. When you come up and you're the the star of the Floyd Mayweather promotion, y- you're gonna get sort of snarled at. Oh, oh they oh you oh they think you're the next Floyd. You think you're the next Floyd. No one's the next Floyd. So that's that went against him. Let's be fair. He was young and immature. 2017. He's on the Maymac co main event. He loses his title on the scales. He fights a maddingly frustrating fight before getting a light stoppage. He's had some of those hiccups, including some of the early matchmaking, where he was only fighting smaller fighters moving up. We want to see him against the best. But, look what he's done in the past year and a half, he's been in three title fights in three different weight classes and had stoppage wins in all of them, including a knockout of the year against Leo Santa Cruz and a thrilling fight, which you see the pictures right there against unbeaten Mario Barrios this spring in which Gervonta moved up to a weight class he'd never fought before. I think, Luke, there's a few different storylines at play here, and one of them is something we already established, that as much as Roly Romero can maybe sell a fight with his mouth, and we do know he has legit power, he's, he's raw as shit. And they were not really taking him all that seriously. Mm-mm. They know that Pitbull Cruz, Isak, is an upgrade. They know they need to take him seriously. This guy has is uh hasn't lost in 18 straight fights. He comes to fight. He's durable. He's tough. He's also pretty smart. So this is a better fight than the first one. And I'm wondering slash I don't want to say hoping, but you know I want Gervonta to get his due. When he's in the police blotter, it's going to set back the way people think and talk about him. But Luke, I I, I just put out yesterday my updated boxing pound for pound list on CBS Sports, and I have my number 10. And I think sometimes. You know The eye test can mean a little bit more than accomplishments or, or what have you. This guy's fighting in different weight classes all the time. He's knocking people the hell out, but he can really box. His head movement, his defense, his IQ. I know he hasn't been pushed late too often, but the last few times we've seen it, man, he has thrived. Look, he's among the best fighters in this game, and I think he'll have a good chance here against Isak Cruz to prove that because Cruz is coming, brother. You know that. He's coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you watch the all-access, Davis says, and a lot of times fighters say this when this happens, when their opponent falls out and they get a replacement, like, oh, this one's even better. But what he said was, this guy's actually tougher than Romero. Let me be clear here. Isak Cruz is a better fighter than Rolando Romero, and by a considerable margin. Like, if Cruz and Romero were fighting, I would pick Cruz to win – 10 times out of 10 um he doesn't have some of the same open kind of flash that romero does and as bc indicated Certainly is not going to be the kind of force on the microphone that Romero can sometimes be in his own weird way. But when it comes time to box, I actually think he would demolish Romero, to be quite candid with you. Dude, he's a tough out. He is a tough out. He has a one loss early in his career, I think it's like eighth fight. He was still getting his feet under him. And since then, he's been an absolute bulldozer. He's really short for the weight class, even by, you know, a class that doesn't have big people. And you'll notice he has this really weird tendency, BC, he gets super low even in even though he is already short and his opponents don't know what to do about it because they can't match his level. When they try to lower, he uppercuts them into the words of Ken Shamrock, living death. And then if they try to stand, he has this endless series of overhands. So it doesn't matter what elevation you pick. He's in your face, pushing you backwards. And he has all kinds of really heavy weapons. He's heavy handed. He has good cardio. He has comfort. Dude, like (laughs) Tank Davis has a fight on his hands. But to your point, if everything we're saying about Tank Davis is true, and we will see, but what we think about him as being true is not just heavy-handed, but having a very high boxing IQ, the only thing I worry about, BC, and I wonder where you come down on this is, if he's in shape and if he's well-trained, these are ifs, I think that Davis will win probably by stoppage and somewhere in the middle to late parts of that fight. But what I do worry about is sometimes a guy like Davis has been accused of taking rounds off here or there or cruising in fights dude if he does that shit against Isak cruz he is going to be in for a rude awakening true or false
1: yeah, absolutely true and this is why this fight's more compelling and more interesting the the romero fight was going to be a car wreck somebody's going down it was probably going to be roly but the hook was that he's going to come to win well Isak cruz as you mentioned comes to win in his own way look he's going to get inside on gervonta and he's got a awkward quasi unorthodox style but he makes it work for himself you know i've i've After his last fight, I I said something that that fans got upset about saying, and maybe the wording doesn't come off right, but I said he saw Cruz fights like an asshole. And I mean that like he fights in a way that you're like, oh, no way this guy can pull this style off, but he does. Like you said, he ducks down very low. He can be busy in huge flurries of stretches to get inside on you. He's going to back Gervonta up. It obviously comes down to whether he can take Gervonta's power, but he's going to put that pressure on, which is really going to test Gervonta's gas tank. He's only been deep in fights twice. Look, really. Gervonta went 12 with Gamboa and finished him in the last round. And then he went, what, like 11 with Mario Barrios. He hasn't been pushed that deep because of that power. Now he's fighting bigger, more durable guys. Um, this is going to be an interesting test. Cruz can box enough to where if he can consistently back Gervonta up, and the key will be volume because Gervonta is one of those smart counter-punchers, there, there's a little bit of Canelo in them. You wouldn't compare Gervonta and Canelo's style across the board, but there's mm-hmm. a little of Canelo in them where he's a very efficient guy who picks his shots, doesn't waste shots. That can be a plus when you're landing. But What if he's not landing? What if Cruz is getting in, outworking him? That's where things can get interesting on the cards, especially if it can go that far. But this is going to be a fun fight. It's very rare. Very, very rare you get an upgrade when somebody drops out. You know, the the one we always referenced is when uh, Lennox Lewis in his last fight in 2003. Who was he going to fight? Kevin Johnson, I think. He got sick or whatever. They subbed in Vitali Klitschko. We had one of the greatest, most batshit crazy heavyweight title fights of all time. It's rare that you get that upgrade. We got it here. But Luke, the larger title picture, because not. Hold just on, I was sub- going to
0: ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that. Let me let me let me pitch it to you because I really want to hear what you have to say about this. So there's a couple of things in motion. One, Lopez lost. Uh, to Cambosos. I'm sure you guys covered it in great detail on Monday, but that is now a thing. And so the division has been absolutely turned on its head. One of the other belt holders, the WBA holder is Gervonta Davis. That belt will in fact be on the line here against the secondary title,
1: the the regular title.
0: I can't keep track of this shit anymore, but there is a belt on the line. Just
1: a quickly update. Uh, Cambosos has... Three titles, the IBF, the WBA, and the WBO. He has the franchise version of the WBC because the promotion bodies are a bunch of crooks. And Devin Haney, who's also in action, has the official WBC one. Gervonta has the WBA regular one.
0: Okay, all right. Let me, let me ask this. Now, this may not happen. If Cruz wins, if Cambosis and Cruz win in consecutive weekends, the division is nothing what we thought it to be because we, we were talking about the Four Princes here. But assuming for just a second that Haney wins against JoJo, and assuming that Davis wins against Cruz. Give me, in your sense, the lay of the land now that Cambosos did what he did.
1: Yeah, I I wrote a piece again, a different piece yesterday for CBS Sports that was essentially looking at the biggest boxing storylines this weekend, which is essentially what we're doing right here. To me, the number one storyline, Luke, is who's going to win the George Cambosos Jr. sweepstakes, and who would have ever thought we would have been saying that? But you mentioned the four princes, what our friend Kieran Mulvaney calls – Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Teo Fimo and Gervonta. these four lightweight studs that aren't fighting each other because of politics. Yet here's this guy in Cambosos, formerly unheralded, who is a promotional free agent and network free agent, I'm sorry, a network free agent in the US, promoted by Ludabella, who's like now bridging the gap. He's the hot chick at the dance that everybody wants. He's got 3 of 4 belts. So you have to ask yourself, is Gervonta Davis versus Esau Cruz on Sunday? and Devin Haney defending his WBC lightweight title in a very good fight on DAZN on Saturday against Joseph Diaz Jr. Are they sort of auditioning for the chance to to, to swoop in there and get that payday? It's going to be up to Cambosis in the end to choose. Everyone's going to load up the truck, right? And bring the big money offer. But you have to wonder who can look the best, who can come out of here. Cambosis has already said Haney has the, the slight edge and look, because he has the WBC title, I wonder if he does have the slight edge because if you're Cambosos and you have a chance to fight for like the undisputed championship, you may end up doing that, but I think it's going to come down to money. That's what this game is. Cambosos is an opportunist. He got his big opportunity with the performance of a lifetime. Uh, let's keep that in mind as these two fights come together uh, this weekend to see who has a chance to sort of win that. Ryan Garcia, of course, tweeted that he wants Cambosos. Even my guy, Shakur Stevenson said he's willing to move up and wait a third time and fight for those titles, but... um. This is going to be a fun boxing weekend, and, and the, the storylines are connected to last week. Luke, how fired up are you about seeing Devin Haney back? Because last time out, which I think was around May or June, we saw him against former champion Jorge Linares, and that was supposed to be the big step-up fight for this 23-year-old phenom who has every skill you would want. He had fought Gamboa the fight before. He had won a boring decision. The pressure was on him to look good. And I had to kind of look this up to remember it because there's been so many great fights this year. Haney dominated that fight against Linares for nine and a half rounds, got rocked, and then he was holding on for dear life until the final bell. He left that arena to a trail of booze. I can't figure out heading into this fight, Luke. Is that an aberration? Was that him trying to be too offensive to make a statement? Or do we have potential chin issues on this can't-miss five-star you know, prospect, so to speak?
0: I tend to think, you know, chin issues I don't I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I guess we'll see. I had a similar feeling though, which is I don't know if it's chin or I don't know if it's composure under fire, but something goes wrong when he gets hit. When he gets hit. Lopez, to his credit, he fought the worst fight I've ever seen him fight, but he kind of stood in there a little bit for 12 rounds with George. I mean, George was... You can't say George Cambosis wasn't landing on Lopez. He was landing on him for 12 fucking... Dropped him in the first, for crying out loud. So, uh, yeah, he in put, that sense... You would
1: say he put Lopez underwater, right?
0: Is there some sort of joke there?
1: Uh, just just stating the obvious. Keep it going. Oh, yeah.
0: Going. I mean, the point I'm trying to make here is he's at least sort of... Proven to be a little bit more durable when he has to be even in the losing contest. Haney looks to me like he likes to be not so much the bully, but I want to be the one in control, which is fine. All fighters want to be that way if, if at all possible. But that when the control begins to slip, he goes into a near panic mode of control, or, uh, you know, what I wrapping up, keeping distance, moving away, like not engaging the fight in the same way that he was previously with the same kind of risk assessment which again some changes is going to be in order but it seems like an overcorrection every time so yeah i do think there is at least a question in my mind i don't have a declaration about it but a question in my mind about how he handles composure when the when the opponent has their way for different uh, moments in a fight i tend to think he still will will beat diaz i don't i don't think he'll lose but I, I think you're onto something about a potential future opponent. Who, when they ring his bell, what happens? Like I, I rewatched the Lomachenko and um, uh, Lopez fight. Dude, to, to Lomachenko's credit, Lopez stung him in the twelfth round, and he did not lose his composure. He was still kind of in there a little bit, and he didn't make a bunch of bad decisions afterwards to make it even worse. Haney seems to me like he's got a little bit of a that that to work on. So I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's going to be good. And if you don't know much about Joseph Diaz Jr., the Golden Boy fighter, he won a world title at the division below 130, beat Tevin Farmer for it. He's 29 years old. He's a southpaw. And, Luke, he sort of evolved his style. He was a little bit more of a pure boxer early in his game. He's more of a come getcha guy now. So this should be a very fun fight because if I'm Joseph Diaz, I realize that Haney is longer, stronger, faster than me. But I I, I watched that Lenares fight. I wonder if Jojo Diaz is going to come out going for that chin early and try to make this a brawl. It should be fun to watch. I do believe, again, De- Devin Haney could have the upper hand in drafting Cambosas into an undisputed fight if he wins, but um, I-, I do want to see if Al Heyman, Steven Espinosa, and company, you know, if Javante Davis wins, uh, to see if they want to back up that truck too and find out what happens here. Yeah, It's it'll, a great time be to be Lou Bella, by the way, who usually hates boxing lately, wants to get out of yeah. it. Now he's got the lottery ticket sitting in front of him.
0: Good for Lou. I've always liked Lou. I've had a good, I've had a good rapport with Lou over the years. Um, all right, let's go to topic number three. We'll stick with boxing for one more uh, topic because this is something BC spotlighted, and I'm glad he did. So we all saw Teofimo Lopez lose in this incredible, shocking—well, uh, shocking to us anyway, but not shocking to George Cambosas, I suppose. Nevertheless, there was an article that came out a few days after he lost on boxing scene. And I want to pitch this to Brian since he's the one that basically put this on my radar. In this article, B.C., a number of things are raised. Namely, just how seemingly out of it and erratic Lopez was prior to the contest due to any number of factors. Mental health issues. He had a divorce with his wife. A whole host of things. What was the crux of the article, B.C.? And what did you take from it in terms of understanding who Lopez was when he went into that bout?
1: Yeah, we touched briefly on this on Monday, and Dan Canobio had referenced this article. I had yet to to really read it. It's written by Corey Erdman, an OG in this boxing game, so shout out to him. And, Luke, specifically it identifies some really weird behavior that only the people working for DAZN saw behind the scenes in the fighter interviews beforehand. Just some like you said, a, a wavering for, you know, Teo would be confident in one second talking trash, almost on the bit of tears a second later saying the business had screwed him just all over the place. And Luca, even that little tidbit after the fight where we know he gave that almost disastrous post-fight interview in which he gave Cambosis no credit and almost sort, of dis- almost sort of said that it was a conspiracy theory against him and that's why he lost and that maybe the referee was part of it too. But Luke, he waited until that interview was over, cleared some space in the ring, and did his cel- cele- celebratory backflip, which is just sort of like mind-boggling when you come out and you lose in major upset fashion. And by the way, I do get that the scorecards were close, at least from the judges' standpoint it was a split decision, but I had that 116-11 Cambosis, which is eight rounds to four after you, you compute all the points. I think it was much more an 8-4 to fight than it was anything resembling a close fight. I mean, Tao had as disastrous a performance strategically, physically, stamina-wise that you could have asked for. But I think when you package with that with some of the other rumors slash reports that have come out since this fight, you don't want to compare this to Mike Tyson ahead of the Buster Douglas fight because it's not on the same level, obviously. That's the biggest upset in boxing history, more or less. Tyson was a superstar on another planet to anything else in sports at that point. But, Luke, Tyson was just a few months younger than the 24-year-old Lopez is now when he lost to Douglas. And as we know, that Douglas fight wasn't one bad night at the office. It was essentially the consummation of a couple years of just a chaotic journey in which Tyson lost people close to him that he loved, uh, lost direction, was not training hard anymore, marriage fell apart, had the disastrous interview with Barbara Walters that we all watched as kids, like really was just, you know, tried to crash his car into a tree to kill himself in a, in a somewhat underpublicized story at the time. And why do I make those parad- parallels to Teo Fimo? Do you remember that boxing scene article in October when Teo was at the Fury Wilder fight and he did that scrum with the reporters? And he mentioned almost in passing that he had envisioned potentially killing himself three times in the past year. And we talked about it on here in, again in passing, almost like, hey, man, I hope he's okay, but like, I don't know if we didn't take it seriously because it's Teo. He's cocky. We had him on the show in studio a month before that, and he was great. But, Luke, when you look at the totality of a lot of things, the soap opera of the thriller purse bid thing playing out where this fight was rescheduled eight or nine times, him fronting the money on all those training camps that never happened, the dissolution we hear, I don't know if it's full divorce, but the dissolution of his marriage, He's got a he had a child that was born 10 days before this fight that I don't think he's seen yet. A lot of reports that he was out partying the last few months too much. He stopped hiring Joey Gamache as the assistant trainer. He got rid of that nutrition company that used to help him make weight, cut all these corners. This is uh this is a little bit scary here, Luke, for a guy at 24 who looked like he had you know the the world of boxing in the palm of his hand because not only did he beat Lomachenko, he leaped into the top 10 pound for pound but he found a way to out slick his own promoter to get basically what, like five times the pay originally for that purse bid for this fight. I'm wondering, Luke, if this loss was, was more, you know, a consummation of, of a, of a year gone lost. And it's not that Teo's life was really all that calm before that. We know those stories about how chaotic his camp has been. The fact that his mom and sister never approved of his wife. And he almost lost that fight against Nakatani cause they had a, The family had a fight backstage as he's about to leave to walk to the ring. I mean, it's always been chaos for Teo. It seems now that it's bubbled over. And I did like the tweet he had. You know, he had a couple of series of tweets yesterday after originally um, uh, disabling his Twitter account, saying, you know, God's got this, all that stuff. He even tweeted that Canelo called him, which, you know, strong move by Big Red there, to make sure that he's okay. We all wish he's okay, but, Luke, here's one key fact on the comparison to Tyson. Mike Tyson was never the same after that Buster Douglas loss. He may have won you know, a piece of the world title again after he got out of jail, and he may have been in big fights. Never the same fighter by any stretch of the imagination. I really hope that's not the same scenario for Tao. He, he, he tweeted this morning a picture of him and his dad and said, Dad's not going anywhere. We'll be here together. And I'm not saying kick Dad out of the corner, but a lot of changes need to be made outside the ring, really, before we address what potentially is going to happen next inside the ring.
0: I think you summarized it all quite well. I think you're right. We probably ignored or didn't pay sufficient attention to because it was hard to understand what it means when the guy out of nowhere is talking about having these, these uh, I won't call them deranged, but certainly unhealthy thoughts about himself and, and everything else. I will just add to everything you put quite nicely, BC, that, um, you know, I, I did, I was, I, people want to, they can't grasp nuance about this. They think that what we're trying to do is deny George Cambosis his rightful uh, award, essentially. It's not what we're trying to do. If you are asking me, did George Cambosis fight well? Dude, he fought extremely well. In fact, I would argue that is, uh, on tape anyway, the best performance he's ever had. Not just because of what ultimately happened, but if you just examine the boxing skill... He showed more in that fight than he did in any of his other previous fights. Probably more than all of them combined, quite frankly. This is why I was asking for folks who inside of boxing made a boxing case for George Cambosis And the reality is George Cambosis in that fight went from a caterpillar into a butterfly. There was no other reference to see beforehand because this was the moment where he was showing how good he actually was. And fair play to him, dude. He boxed extremely well. However... If you go and re-watch the Lopez versus Lomachenko fight, that is not the same guy. That is not the same guy even a little bit. I went back and I did it, and I went over all the things he was landing. I looked at the CompuBox stats. Even just that 12th round that he had against Lomachenko, BC, that, he put his foot on the gas. And not just, as I mentioned, rung Lomachenko's bell on that one. Dude, he won that round walking away. That was clearly his round. And if you look at the output in the 11th and 12th round in the Cambosas fight versus the fight against Lomachenko, you see Lopez doing everything he can to win the fight against Lomachenko. He was like, fuck off about this in this fight. Now, what are the reasons for that? Partly because George Cambosis turned his face into hamburger meat. Let's give that guy credit. He did that. He did that fair and square, and he did it for 11 rounds prior to that moment. No doubt about it. On the other hand, dude, there was a terrible strategy. There was a terrible understanding of what was happening. There was a, 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 a not nearly the same amount of effort. Something is plaguing that guy. To the point where he doesn't resemble himself from just about a year a year and a half ago and i don't know what that answer is maybe it's the things that boxing scene reported or some of the more broad conclusions you're drawing there i guess we'll have to see what i will add is that if to your point if he doesn't address what is actually hurting him Dude, he's in deep trouble. He's in deep, deep trouble because it's not just George Cambosis that's going to beat him. That guy was, I won't say a shell of himself, but he was not recognizable to a pretty strong degree, and if Kambosis had his way with him, I would imagine some of the other top players in the division probably will as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, come, on, come on, we wish him well beyond belief. Uh, I also wish his career well because we were looking at a potentially special you know, fighter who, who had the kind of skills that... You just don't see too often, but it's a it's a it's a mental game too, Luke. More probably more than physical. So uh, we wish Taylor the best on on bouncing back from this,
0: for sure. All right, topic number four. This is one Brian wanted to put into the rundown um, because I guess you find this super interesting. I, I find it less so, but I do think it's a good conversation to have. Which is, over the past weekend, we saw Triller do something new. They tried their triad combat, which they had ultimately pitched as. Something of a bridge between MMA and boxing. And it was met with, I would argue, probably the best reviews that Triller has had since maybe their first event between the exhibition anyway, between Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. There was a lot of positive sentiment about it. BC, did Triller pull off a new sport that they had tried to proclaim as this new venture? Did they they get there?
1: Well, they, they want to they want you to believe they did because Ryan Kevin on those interviews on the pay-per-view was like, let's not even call it boxing. It's not. It's a new sport. And God, were they lining up on their knees to, to, to hail him as king? Um, It's still boxing to me. OK, I, I like the addition, you know, like BK, BKFC also offers to a lesser degree of some of the dirty boxing and clinching that can can allow an MMA fighter who's more natural at using that to his advantage. But again, on my review of Saturday's card, really only Matt Mitrione effectively and consistently used that to his advantage. I don't think they bridged that gap as much as they were smart in the matchmaking, which I think is the key, Luke. If you get washed slash journeyman slash boxers who never really had great technique to begin with, and you put them in there with MMA guys who have good boxing backgrounds, like in Albert Tumanov, that's how you level the playing field. But I've given my take. You were a little bit more cynical while we were watching this card separately and texting each other. In totality, Luke, uh, I, I want to hear your answer more than mine on whether it bridges the gap and whether you think this does not mean the end of, of Triller. Do they have life in sort of this bottom-of-the-food-chain area of combat sports where there is some money to be made? BKFC's been doing it. Uh, do you think this is really the 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 turn that could give them life. I think
0: there's a couple of things we need to keep in mind here. And there's, I should say rather two different ways you could potentially view it. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle in this case, but understand something. I have been around the combat sports space, including when there was this giant MMA boom, with every promoter getting quick TV deals to try and compete with UFC, where we saw Elite XC eventually on Showtime for uh, for a while, ultimately became Strikeforce, which is a much better and more centered product. But you saw that. You saw IFL on, uh, what was it, MyFoxTV, whatever the fuck their, their situation was. And you saw the team concept. You saw what Gary Shaw was doing. There was a lot of different things happening at that time to try and replicate what, what UFC was doing. And what you end up seeing over time is that those competitors couldn't get anything done and one of the things that they would do towards the end of the last gasp of their life cycle was pivot in these weird directions where they would change the rules and change the fighting surface. IFL did that right before they went out of business, for example, the International Fight League for folks who may not remember. And so part of this feels to me a little bit in that tradition. We tried something on a business model that was extremely short-lived. It no longer has any viability whatsoever. Let's just pivot to something Completely different, brand new, blah, 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 and it seems kind of gimmicky and hokey and ad hoc to make it all work. That's one way to view it. The other way to view it, I think, is a little bit more fair. and Probably, maybe this is the better way to view it, but they've got Sean Wheelock over there now, who I have a great amount of respect for, not really as a commentator, but as a guy who has immersed himself in the rules of mixed martial arts, in officiating, in its history, and its development. And what they have tried to do is just leave everything behind cleanly and develop something that they feel like is a newer product in the vein that you see today, BC, of this combat sports, uh, not explosion per se, but this renewed interest in all the different permutations of combat sports that we can enjoy. I have said this is the best time to be a combat sports fan in history, and I mean it. There might have been better golden eras of heavyweight boxing, for example, but in terms of what you can engage with as a fan day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, you know, in terms of the variety of product and your access to it, dude. There is simply no time like the present, and so you see this BKFC development. You see this new triad combat development. You might see some other ones as well. This other beer, uh, this sort of uh, bare knuckle MMA version that Jorge Masvidal has has tried as well. This 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 innovation, this wellspring of what other ways can we innovate combat sports to make a desirable product. So, if that is really what they're doing, then I don't. In the second case have much of an issue with it. My problem ends up being, one, you're trying to solve a problem that didn't really exist in one way, which is, oh, it's the bridge between MMA and boxing. I don't even know what that means. Like, I could come up with a... I could take San Xiao, which is like, Where Kung Lee comes from, where you could have like kickboxing, but then throws and takedowns, wouldn't that be more of a bridge? And that's not what they do. Your point is, it's still like boxing. Yeah, it just looks like kind of boxing with a smaller, weird ring and, you know, a little bit more aggressive rules with shorter rounds. Like they're calling it the bridge, but they haven't defined why it's the bridge at all. Also, was anyone looking for the bridge? I think what they're trying to do, BC, this is my best read. I think that they realized that the product they have was just fucking radioactive and they want to do something new. They brought in a real person in Sean Wheelock to get some of those things going. I think he has tried to put his best foot forward. He has the team concept from the IFL and from you know other places that you have seen. He's been around for a long time too. And what they're trying to do is, MMA fighters and boxers want to make money off of each other. But if they keep going into one or the other, neither has a real chance to do all that well. Is there an accommodated rule set where MMA fighters can fight boxers and we can make money off of that? What I would say is that is not a bad insight. That actually is an okay insight. How you get there is actually, I don't think they've figured that part out at all. I would say, I would actually argue that San Xiao is a lot better at getting you closer to that because it's so much more. You go look at old Kung Lee highlights, dude. He was throwing motherfuckers over his head and it was wild to watch. It was amazing. Uh, Even though that's an ancient.
1: There is no... Even though there's...
0: What Well, I just want to point out, is not new. It's an ancient martial art. But the point I'm trying to make here, BC, is... Listen, if they want to ride this out to to something... And and keep developing the product and iterating it... I actually think that's fine. Like, there's... This is the age of try something new. Like, figure it out. What I would argue, though, is... Were it not for Metallica... Who was going to be there to watch any of this? I don't think the rules they've figured out are all that great... And I guess I would just argue, like, you know, you said Rampage being like, you know, UFC and Bellator should be worried. BKFC might want to be worried, yes. but UFC yes. and Bellator, I think, are doing just fine.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. There really is no middle ground unless you're just say, taking kickboxing as the middle ground between boxing and MMA. And no is going to sign up to be kicked. You know, there's no question about that. So it's still a, let's take a, a more washed boxer against a, a younger guy. And look, to, to their credit, these were wars. And Mike Perry fought his ass off. Mitrione fought his ass off. Alexander Flores. I mean, these guys came to fight. There were some fun fights. So maybe this allows Triller to pivot to delay their inevitable um, you know, fall because uh, there is going to be a want for for faded names who have been cut by the elite promoters to make one more or two more or three more paydays. You saw Vitor Belfort, Tyron Woodley there, Rampage and Chan and Briggs getting in each other's face. They hyped that fight all night. I don't know if... Uh, G- Hold if- on, Gaff,
0: we can hear you. Gaff, we can hear you. Thank you.
1: Oh, Jesus. They're having a party back there in the control yeah. room. Yeah. Really? I, mean, so, I think somebody's doing? ass hit the, hit the live button by accident. There's something going on there. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, if, if... I don't think the coaching... I think the coaching thing is gimmicky. I think it only works if you've got the right personalities. But what trailer has going for it right now is very high production value, and a lot of money to throw at people. So you're right. BKFC, who is feasting on that same idea of taking the wash names and giving them one last rest stop on the way out, that's who has to be you know, worried in that regard. There's still a lot of cringe on this broadcast, Luke. That le- makes it really le- hard le- to
0: Let me this. say one thing, though. I I, saw, I believe it was Ryan Kavanaugh. If it wasn't, you can dead wrong me. Somebody said from Triller, a high-level executive, said, "You know, we're going to pay our athletes what we paid, uh, what UFC pays their ushers or so, something like that. Um, no, sorry. We're going to UFC. Uh, what was the quote exactly? We UFC pays their fighters. Like we pay our ushers. That's what they said. Um, and I think it was reported Mike Perry made a quarter mil for his fight and good for him dude. like, here's the rule on that. I, you'll see it all the time. Folks, if you watch combat sports long enough, you're going to see a bunch of promoters come through. They're going to chuck a shitload of money at the problem. They're going to burn through it. They're going to go. It works in the fighters' favor, usually, at least some of the fighters' favor, because they can get those big checks before the promoter bounces out of town. But let me just say, dude, that statement, if it came from Kavanaugh or whoever else, it's going to backfire. That is one of those statements that is going to fucking backfire because, dude, Gary Shaw, all the... Dude, do do y'all think that this is the first guy to make these kinds of accusations about the UFC and how they treat their athletes and blah, blah, blah? This has been going on forever. And what happens every fucking time is that they overspend on, this case, Metallica and everything. I mean, can you imagine how much it must cost to secure fucking Metallica? You're like, you're like hey, play? Kevin, and- you
1: may have got Metallica, but you're still saying anger to me. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. The point I'm trying to make is what eventually will happen is that this train will probably come to a stop, right? They will Someone in, uh, will decide you can no longer just spend profligate amounts of spending to get where you are. And then UFC will be like, aha, you see? They waste money on things like Metallica and then high Fighter pay. Our fighter pay might look low to you, but that's why we're still in business. When in fact, that's the reality is significantly more complicated. But you set yourself up to look like a debt jackass because we pay our fighters more. Dude, you worry about that shit after you're not in the red anymore. Then you begin to figure out how to do that. But I understand that Triller is trying to get the best names available, so is BKFC, so they have to pay a competitive wage but they're also just going to hurt themselves in the long run by just not understanding how to make but an MMA or a combat sports show profitable without these like larger gimmicks to go for.
1: But along but to be fair along with the production value and along with the fact that they can probably offer the most money of all of these, you know, sort of side promoters to do this type of carnival stuff, um the the new setup with the ring as long as they can take this get rid of this lawsuit from from BYB, uh it does promote action. So, uh mm-hmm. what do I always say Luke about the Paul Brothers? They're only going to last as long as Probably they win, but also as long as they make fun fights. Uh, these fights are fun in this triad thing. So that's the best thing they have going for them is that the, you have to fight in that ring. You, it's really hard to have a boring fight. So, uh,
0: But in, yeah. at the end of the day, it's not about that. What, what, what matters in combat sports, and this will always be true, this is why Metallica was who's the biggest star on that card? Metallica. Metallica was the biggest star. And the next Bad one might Joe, be Rampage Jackson.
1: Gigliotti a hundred times, That he was probably one of the
0: biggest. Yeah, players. my point being is this, dude. Always remember, combat sports runs on the star model and who has access to them, which is why the UFC's alleged monopolistic behaviors are so troubling because they have the vast majority of the world's elite talent under contract. And so, yes, you might be able to produce good action. Maybe that might be profitable on some level, but the point being is until you have and you have the ability to produce stars that people care about, it doesn't really matter. How, dude, IFL had good at name your favorite IFL fight. Right? I can tell you mine, Lion the Ryan uh, Ryan the Lion Schultz beating the shit with a gift wrap at a Chris Horodeski. Who remembers that shit? Nothing. It doesn't matter how good your product is. What right. matters is who are the stars that people want to pay money to see?
1: So they're going to need what matters. They're going to need the Diaz brothers. They're going to need someone that's you right. know more more than Vitor Belfort and Rampage Jackson. They're going to need something big. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, quickly to close on topic 4 on fighter pay. Did you see that pie graph that's been tweeted around by John the John S Nash types about Yes,
0: the numbers come from Merrill Lynch and it was produced by Sportico. Yes. Mm-hmm. About
1: UFC's uh, you know, income and that, you know, obviously the the giant chunk of that was what they get from ESPN and their in their international TV deals and the pay-per-view sales was like that big. Would you agree with John Nash's sentiments on Twitter that this shows why the fighters have zero leverage and that if they don't form together soon, they never will because...
0: Right. Here's, let me break this down for you. So here is, the numbers come from Merrill Lynch. Oh, excuse me, Morgan Stanley. What am I saying? Morgan Stanley. And what they have is, you know, if you look at the, all of the revenue that UFC has in 2021, how does it break down piece by piece? The biggest one is core content rights for the USA, like essentially, you know, uh, the rights for their for their broadcast, ESPN rights, at $447 million. Core Content Rights International, same thing for international broadcasters as another hundred million. Sponsorship consumer products, 184 million. Live events, 57 million in the USA, live events international, 15 million, Fight Pass subs, 59 million. They're making 59 million off Fight Pass. That's incredible. Yeah. And then pay-per-view sales, also 59 million. So understand that. $59 million is how much they get for pay-per-view. Nearly $500 million is how much they get for basically the, the ESPN side of things um, for just the, the standard content deal. In other words, pay-per-view, while volatile, and when it was tied to star power, let's say in 2009, 2010, the, the fighters had a little bit of leverage because if you had a lot of star power, you could say, hey, dude, I bring so much more to the table, right? Because pay-per-view sales were a much bigger chunk Of how the UFC made money. Now it is a fraction of what it used to be. By design, they have removed all volatility. And by removing the volatility, they have removed the ability for fighters to have leverage. The only leverage the fighters have is as a collective entity. Our entire product as we, not individually one. Dude, this is the biggest fucking wake-up call for anybody who says, Oh, my manager gets me more money. How? How? What could they possibly say that matters in that pie chart to get the UFC to bump up beyond anything they feel like giving someone? Nothing! There is nothing in there, dude. It is either e pluribus unum out of many one, or it is nothing. That's it.
1: Do you think if, if a unified front stronger than the Bjorn Rebny one with GSP was, let's say, tomorrow? Every single UFC champion got together, went on TV, and were like, we will not fight until this is resolved. That it would be like the, you know, the 87 NFL strike. UFC would just be like, okay, you guys are done, stripped of your belts. Here's a whole nother busload of new guys coming in ready to make their name for peanuts. And do you think it would get dirty and UFC would would offer a shitload of money? People to, to jump the line, essentially.
0: Yes. Yes. They, the UFC would absolutely not bow to this whatsoever. The UFC would probably hire as many scabs, uh, somebody who crosses the picket line, so to speak, as they could, and I don't think the fans would really care. The only way to meaningfully affect change is if you had not only those champions, but a big chunk of the roster. Like I I made this point, Ryan Jimmo, uh, rest in peace, I made a video about it. Do you understand the UFC product, right? The train is leaving the station all the time, which is why the pandemic was such a threat to their business model, right? Look at how much money comes from just churning out content week after week after week. That's how they now, in the majority sense, make their wealth. And good for them. Like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that per se. But what it means is, if, if you can stop, and I'm not advocating for this per se, this is the fighters have to make this call, but if you can get in the way of the trains leaving the station and it no longer operates, that's the way you can affect change. But like a few holdouts, even important ones, that doesn't mean shit anymore. There's you you have to uh, change the way that that content is meaningfully put together and distributed, otherwise there is no threat to their business model whatsoever. So like these fighters been like, I'm gonna sit out for more money. Well, I, I hope you don't get bed sores because you're gonna be in bed that long before they ever come knocking on your door. It, it is not going to work. So I'm gonna sit here and you know threaten to sit out for more money. Have fun sitting on your ass because that ain't gonna do shit. So there you go. All right. all right. I hope BC. I hope at
1: least our MK approved fighters like Billy Q and Sean Brady get paid, okay? That's right.
0: listen, I want all of them to get paid, but like this is what I mean. Like, oh, the media needs to spread more attention about these stories. Okay. We've spread all the attention we can possibly get at this point. We we have turned over every rock. Balls in your court, fighters, if you want something to change the cavalry ain't coming. It ain't coming. You are the cavalry. So either you are going to do this or you will be perennially underpaid. And that will be the choice that you collectively made, period. Yeah. All right. Let's do some quick hitters, and then we'll get on to our fan subs here, BC. Speaking of something that just breaks my heart a little bit, um, Kevin Lee was released from the Ultimate Fighting Championship this week. And let me just ask the question here, BC, because we have called him future world champion. We were both on board with this, I think, even before we got together on MK. Obviously, listen. We got to eat the L here and we got to say it looks bad for us because it does look bad for us. I will say that talent um, prospecting is very difficult. I will also say that I did see flashes of brilliance in Kevin Lee's game that really stood out to me. But there's just no denying that things have fallen apart. Let me just ask the question to you very basically Dude, where did shit go wrong for him?
1: Game planning not having a true weight class for that period, you know, bouncing around. um. We took it all.
0: We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse.
1: Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
0: Senwa Saga,
1: Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Did we put too much pressure on him, Luke? Did he put too much pressure on himself? I don't really know. It seemed to be more mental than physical because physical, he's got all the tools. You know, the the fighter he was going into that Ferguson, you know, opportunistic interim title bout, and and you know, and he fought well for for a stretch in that before losing. That fighter only came back again once or twice in in short bursts. So, you know, we did say during this most recent losing streak, including the most recent loss, that, you know, this seemed inevitable, a cut. And maybe, given that he's still on this side of 30, still somewhat young enough, maybe it is the best thing that could happen to him. Because, Luke, this puts him at that crossroads moment, right? You know, where where you're either going to be a journeyman the rest of the way and, and get as many checks as you can until you just can't win anymore, Or you are going to go back in the lab, but which which the problem is I'm sure he's had a few lab moments in the past three years, but you got to go back in that lab and say, all right, no more bullshit. What the hell am I not doing? What kind of coach do I need to get through to me? What do I not know about this game that I need to? Is it my cardio? Like, what is it? For all we know, he's done that already. I don't know, Luke, but you know, he's at that crossroads and very few. Take that road less traveled. Brandon Moreno got cut by the UFC and came back to win a world title. Now, I know every mm-hmm. time I say that, people love to say it's because they were cutting that division. But, you know, people have been cut before and come back and had runs. It's still possible. He's physically talented. He's young enough. But something's missing. There, there's a wiring problem there. Um, I've never loved his game planning. I, I've always wanted to see, you know, he, he's been a guy who can get rocked and vulnerable easy. His defense hasn't always been top-notch. I don't know what to say, Luke, because I don't know whether he's already had those moments yet. Truly, those rock bottom, I need to cut all corners and no stone left unturned. I have not activated 100% of myself. It's time. If he hasn't, well, that's good news, Luke, because there's still time. If he has, maybe he's just a flashy, skilled guy who was never that guy, and we were wrong. But it breaks my heart, Luke. Do I want to double down and say, well, we said future champion Kevin Lee, well, you know. You know, that could be that could be Cage Warriors for all we know. No, I don't want to play those <laughs> games, Luke. I want to see this guy fulfill his potential. He's a great fighter. I do. Is-
0: I, I again I think if you look at the Mustafa fight, the Gregor Gillespie fight, um, there's some other ones where he's just looked fantastic. Those are not those are not fake. Those are real. Those, those are those are Kevin Lee at his finest. Now the problem is of course he has not been consistent. But he has shown a tremendous level of brilliance um, at various junctures of his career. I've done some digging around on this. Listen, I would love to hear what Kevin has to say. Also, never forget he had two knee surgeries, which doesn't explain the problems before that, but could certainly explain if you did have problems before that, they could exacerbate them over time. So let's not lose sight of that fact either. But some of the things that, like, you know, you talk to a few people, some of the stories are the same, two of them. One... You know, not listening to people. I mean, for example, how many times have you heard Kevin Lee go back to his corner, heard the advice of his corner, and then he goes out and just ignores it? I mean, you've heard that a lot. Like, that's, I don't even need to be inside the gym or wherever to just know that, like, I've seen that over and over and over from him, not listening to his corners telling him to do something and just widely ignoring it. So, that appears to be not just when I say not listening to you know other people. I don't think it's just in the in between rounds situation. Um, it could be a lot of other situations as well. But there's a certain disconnect between authority advice and what he is exercising. And the other one I've heard is that there could be some preparatory issues. Um, you know, like the weight cut stuff. I agree that a one sixty five would be perfect. But you know, did, did he cross every T and dot every I? That that remains to that. that, that there's a question about that um, about what he could have done heading into some of these contests. So I am with you, man. What I saw with my own eyes and I've told Kevin this, you know, we've had conversations about it early in his career. I thought he looked tremendous. At 29 years of age, I I am simply uh, listen, if they want it, listen, if he bottoms out and we look like total assholes after this then fine. We look like total assholes. I'm still a believer in the upside of Kevin Lee, but at this point, the only way for him to get back there I think is if he really he really has to humble himself, and he really has to just kind of decide to reframe how he views his career. I think he needs to uh, – I don't think he needs to change camps or anything like that. I think he's in a great place, but I think he needs to um, – I think he has to accept that there is a building process that he never did that still has to happen before right. he can ultimately get to the place he wants to go. Yeah. And until he does that, he won't.
1: Something Structural and foundational was skipped along the way. That, that you know, is it in him to repair that and go back and find that? Yeah, well, we're going to find out. But uh, I wish him well. I got, uh, I don't know, Luke, 5,000 people tweeting at me after this news broke. You know, it breaks my heart. Okay.
0: Um, okay, at UFC Fight Night 203, this will be February 26, B.C., Benil Dariush is going to fight Islam Makhachev. Your reaction?
1: Wow. Love this fight. Love this fight. I uh, believe it's the right move for the UFC. Uh, Gaethje earned that shit, Luke. He did, okay? So I mean, did he? Did he? What? Say, say, I, it. say I think,
0: it. I think if you're in a title fight, listen, I love it. Listen, if he fights, can I say that Justin Gaethje is not the best lightweight in the planet right now? I cannot say that. I cannot say he is not. He just might be. The only point I want to make is, you were in a title fight against be. He lost handily. I mean, I know what, you know, well, he lost Luke, handily. Well, let's not
1: forget... To be fair, Luke, I mean, seriously, be fair with it, okay?
0: All right. He lost handily. Dustin lost lost handily. handily.
1: Dustin lost handily. Gaethje was working on something, okay?
0: Okay, Gaethje had his moments, but he lost handily. And then uh, he gets one win after that, and you're back in a title picture? Like, to me, that is insufficient uh, just for title purposes. But I can agree. Hold on. I can agree he might still be the best lightweight on the planet, in which case... Keeping him in bouts where that's a relevant consideration is is the better thing to do. But, you know, I, I thought the fight to make was, was Makachev versus Gaethje, but I guess not. Um, BC, Dan Hooker wants to drop to 145 and take on the Korean Zombie. He's done a test cut down there already, and uh, we know he used to have real issues. Maybe he has ironed them all out. Do you like the idea of A, Hooker at 145, and B, against the Korean Zombie?
1: You know, I still look at combat sports through a boxing lens too often. And in boxing, when you cut weight, when you cut, when you move down in weight, that's always a major sign of desperation. And when you do it, you know, in the middle or second half of your career, it it, it exasperates on that. Uh, So I carry that mentality to wherever I hear this, I I go, oh boy. But people have done it and done it consistently and done it to some, I mean, I didn't think Jose Aldo was going to be able to pull it off at this level. So there's still a lot of fight in this guy. And you know, I don't really hold that last loss against him because he was doubling down. He was going for it and he looked very good against uh Nasdaq 500 Luke. Uh uh has-
0: Nasdaq has-
1: hack has- ha- I'm really working on it, I swear. Um so yeah, if he can pull this off, Luke, he look he's try You got to give him credit. He is trying to be great. I mean, he knows it's in him. He's got to stop getting into wars. I like the the turn to be more of a wrestler. Um, okay, but you know you're gonna, you're gonna who who did you say he was gonna fight?
0: He wants he he's not booked, but he wants the Korean Zombie.
1: Oh god, that's the deep end of the pool, Luke. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, look I'll, at the, look at the Listen, smile I'll on say Matt this: I'm that with that you. Psychopath. Like the,
0: the when you go down and wait, I'm you know Jose Aldo appears to have pulled it off a little bit, although you know. Like, you have to ask, like, did Jose Aldo pull it off? He pulled it off in the sense that he meaningfully extended his career and he got people excited about new title opportunities. But he didn't go down to bantamweight and beat a new class of opponents, right? He was losing to Max and he lost to Volkanovski, both the champion yeah. or the guy who's right under him, depending on how you want to view the legitimacy of that. I mean, he Frankie went to bantamweight. That, that situation hasn't changed. He still can't beat the champion or the people right, right at it. So... He extended the longevity of his career, but he didn't change his fortunes exactly in that way. So, you know, I don't know what to expect. I'll say this. Listen, if Hooker can make the weight safely and be reasonably competitive, I certainly would not stand in the way. I just worry about his health. The guy takes a lot or has taken up to this point, not in the Makachev fight, but has taken a lot of damage. And the weight cut could potentially exacerbate that, but I leave that to him and his nutritionist and the UFC and the commissions, and we'll you know, see. Our what good
1: happens. friend Rashad Evans, who had himself an unsuccessful, more or less weight cut, you know, in sort of a desperation point late in his career to middle uh, to middleweight, you know, really always broke down how much more, how much your punch resistance goes away, you know, when when you really push yourself down to that last yeah. weight class that you believe your body can squeeze into. Look, I'm trying to think, you know, who has had. Great success doing it. Frankie Edgar went on to fight for titles in, what, two different divisions after cutting down? Or no, he Mm -hmm. never fought for the Bantamweight title. But, you know, he's been in big fights, and uh, Leo Machida had a second life at middleweight after cutting down from 205. Am I forgetting anyone who's, like, really pulled it off at a high level?
0: Going, like, obviously McGregor was at 145. No, that wouldn't count. So you're talking like... you,
1: You had to have huge success at one weight class, and then you moved down... And down. established uh, a certain level of like Machita fought for a title at middleweight. That was you know that was a pretty good run.
0: Um, I don't know offhand. I don't know. I, nothing stands out as like the quintessential example yeah. that I can think of. Most people, it's the they get a ton of success and then they say, "Fuck it, let's go up in weight, not down." But um, all right, last but certainly not least, BC. This was uh, I, I think I I think this came out Monday maybe. But Jan Blahovich is set to fight on, let's see, let's see, the 26th of uh, March, Alexander Rakic for light heavyweight uh, supremacy. Now, we had thought that Rakic was going to fight Anthony Smith in a rematch, but no, Blahovic's first fight after losing is against this hammer. What do you make of it?
1: Well, I was going to ask you, mentioning Anthony Smith, since, look, we all have our, our fighters, Luke, and he's yours, okay? We all have them. I'm sorry, but he is. He's the only... CKB guy who can light your fire on that level. Uh, he had come out and said he was upset that Rakic got that fight considering he felt Rakic turned down a bunch of other opponents, including himself. Do you think that that's, uh, there's substance in that state?
0: I don't know the UFC matchmaking machinations. I would have liked to have seen Smith get another crack at it because I did not think that was his best performance. Frankly, I didn't think it was the best performance from Rakic either. He basically got top control the whole time and then couldn't pass Anthony's guard. and They just kind of... You know, not exactly stalemated, but nothing really happened for the duration of the bout. I'd like to see a little bit more dynamism, frankly, from both of them. Um, but, you know, I can't hate on Blahovic versus Rakic. I think it's a good fight for Rakic if he wants to get a title shot. I think Blahovic could, you know, in the way that Gechi rebounded after the Chandler win, I think if you beat a guy like Rakic and you are Blahovic, it's going to catapult you right back. So there's nothing wrong with the fight. I like it. I'm happy to see it. Kind of wish it would have gone a different way, but it's great. I, I can't complain.
1: Dude, you know it's gonna be a great fight. The more I think about it, Glover versus Prohaska. That's gonna be a. That's gonna be a very interesting fight. Very For interesting. as
0: long as it lasts. For as yeah. long as it lasts. I mean, yeah. do
1: you think the old man can expose Yuri on the ground?
0: um yeah exposes a strong yeah it's possible mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool. on the table on the table it could
1: also be some violent young guy on old guy type of shit too i mean that's... yeah it could
0: also be like why are you beating up this old man in the street kind yeah. of situation uh the from brohachka bah- exactly all right yeah. Luke, but, but i'll say this if he loses the belt you get to go back to being the king so that's
1: fine i'll take that bring know. it apathy we should get apathy <laughs> on the show i'm sure right. he probably lives near me i mean me chuck and apathy are the three most famous people in combat sports in this state right now right
0: i guess so like i don't know if apathy's famous in combat sports but that's certainly famous in uh, even underground chuck rap,
1: rap. Yeah, all right, right bc I, yeah, it's time for hat, fan so. subs good sir all right morning at gmail.com is your email address to find us for wednesday fan subs friday's dead wrong and hopefully none of these fan subs will involve people wearing our new underwear Luke. okay but here we go every wednesday We've got mail. All righty, from At Average Joe Art. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are my favorite days since I get to start off my morning with my favorite combat show. Here's a shot of how I kicked off my Monday, November 15th, with BC and Luke while oh. diving into my workload. Yes, this is actually what I do for a living. Please excuse my mess as we're still doing home renovations, but it hasn't stopped us from catching every episode of MK and going overboard with our Christmas decor uh, as displayed by the nine pet stockings across the front of our mantle. Seven cats, two dogs, all rescues. Shout out to this guy, Average Joe. Um, I'm stuck sitting on the ground working at the coffee table until my office is complete. By the way, Luke, my girlfriend recently retired from 21 years in the Army, and my mm. dad is a USMC veteran from Vietnam. They both mm. told me, quote it's a cover definitely not a hat thank you for your service luke thank you brian for being you love the show keep up the good work luke i was going to accuse this guy of doing this fan sub just to promote his own work but he was very nice and funny and he's got nine pet stockings up so also
0: i mean you got seven cats bro who is who's got litter box duty in that house because their life sucks
1: wow how's his cable management here luke you good on this or no
0: It's hard to tell. He's got some wires hanging out the front like a jabroni, and he's got cat shit everywhere. But other than that, nice house.
1: (laughs) We appreciate you, Average Joe. Thank you for watching this. Good shit. You've sent in artwork before. He's got the skills. I
0: I think I know this dude. I think this guy's he's good people.
1: All right, this one's from Dave. Pop quiz. What do me, Brian, and Alec Baldwin have in common? We're all firing blanks. They made me take it off for that cool robe, but I made sure to snap a pic. With my orchids of combat shirt before they got me with the three needles. Oh my god! <laughs> are, we doing, are we
0: already doing Alec Baldwin has killed people jokes? I mean, Jesus,
1: dude! This guy took a picture from the damn vasectomy table, Luke. This is Bobby Knuckles, a.k. or sorry, Nobby Buckles, a.k.a. Dave. Wow. Well, Dave, that's, welcome. That's
0: to- dedication. That's dedication.
1: Welcome to no libido for the rest of your life. You'll 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 thank me for it, but uh. Yeah, wow. I mean, you know. Snip,
0: snip. Wait, did you get, did they cut your balls off or did you just get a vasectomy? Like, I'm trying to wonder what happened to you here.
1: Uh, they opened the hatch, Luke, but, you know, as we talked about, the three needles weren't enough. I felt it all, Luke, okay? And that damn 73-year-old Vietnam veteran did not care about my pain, Luke, okay? No, he didn't. Not he at all. All right? In fact, he's like, is this wife here? Get his wife in here to take care of him. He was not happy, Luke, all right? Wow. All right. I'm, 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 I'm still scarred from it, okay? I'll show you one day. All right, Luke, this is from BM Bush. Luke and BC, despite all of the supply chain delays, I finally have my home office set up to accommodate the work life balance. Here's mm-hmm. what a typical work day looks like for me. As I try to squeeze in my MK consumption between video calls and spreadsheets, my fandom for MMA has risen to great new heights and my boxing fandom is under development. Thanks to you both P one for life. It's Bruce B your thoughts.
0: It's a great little setup.
1: Not bad, right? Yeah,
0: it's okay. He's got the mug.
1: Can you zoom in, Gaff and Sally? Oh, he's, he's got, got our the mug, mug there. All right.
0: I guess he went to Rice University. Nice university. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's good stuff.
1: All right. It looks like he's going to watch The Godfather on Showtime. He got that 30-day free trial. Luke, the the sand will not be pounded yet. Not yet. All right, let's go over to Fernando. What up, donks? Uh, last week, LT scolded me. Since I only sent a photo of the shirt I bought, I felt bad. So I gave you guys more of my money and bought two shirts for me and wow. my old lady and a coffee mug that didn't come yet. Here's a pic of only the swag I bought just for you, LT. Just kidding. Here's a pic of me and my January 6th getup because the Internet <laughs> hashtag the Internet. Love the show and all your content. I'll send more pics. Don't forget to not let BC punk out on the Cannibal Corp show.
0: Yeah, February, bitch, you're going. But
1: um, hey, he looks hey, good in do, that. Hey, you
0: know what we don't have enough of. We don't have enough Donk stuff in our merch. It's just not everywhere. Yeah. We need it everywhere. I've noticed. Our
1: old merch guy just loved Donks. Yeah, I got I got United States Donk Army, which are Donk Corps or whatever the hell it is. I always feel embarrassed wearing this in public. Look, like some veterans gonna come up and knock me out. Uh, yeah. Can we zoom in on Probably this guy me. here? Look, he's been in the gym. He looks good in this Raglan.
0: That's right. That's right. And uh, he's got the old camouflage mask, which. You know, good okay, to fine. break into Nancy Pelosi's uh, office and take a shit on it, and that's there true. you go. That's
1: true. There you go. All right, let's go over to John G. He sends in the man in the hat. I don't know what this means.
0: Oh boy! <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, get boy. it because it's Chuck, uh, but it's a cover.
1: <laughs> Chuck's not going to like this at all. That's that's, that's, that's pretty
0: funny. I like how it's droopy over one eye, like he's been drinking whiskey in the back yes. and not telling anybody.
1: The man in the cover. I love it. Yes, it's got a r- nice ring to it. All right, Jose R has, after January 6th, my big booty Latina wife and I relocated to beautiful Puerto Rico, and luckily mm. they haven't found us yet. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to see Luke attend a pro wrestling event with BC. Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's brainless entertainment, Luke, but it's entertainment nonetheless. MK all day, nearly every day. This is Jose R. I think he has a second picture too, does he? Jeff yeah.
0: Ooh, nice. oh nice
1: let's zoom in here
0: bc's like i want to look at your wife
1: <laughs> uh, yeah wow this guy's this guy, look at that hawaiian shirt too luke I Bro, mean, he's living
0: the life out there
1: yeah yeah he's doing well for himself well done there he he's, he moved to puerto rico after january 6th uh, some people had to Luke. Huh?
0: yeah and he's got the old hawaiian shirt he must be one of the uh, boogaloo boys who shoot federal authorities
1: nice breaking two electric boogaloo yeah all right, Chewy is here from Marietta, California. I made this meme in two seconds after seeing it online. It did say "siblings as kids, siblings as adults," but I tailored it for MK. Let's can we see. zoom in. I got to see. What yeah,
0: there. can you blow it up so I can read it?
1: Yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> that is fair, fairly Luke. accurate. Yeah, it's very fair, fair. Well done. Uh, they Chewy should also a- have
0: it Luke and BC after a rooftop where it's you and me taking turns vomiting at a Mexican <laughs> restaurant.
1: <laughs> and Chuck laughing at us. Yes. Luke, <sighs> Chewy has a question for you. Any chance we get a live show for UFC 270 in Anaheim next year? Does MK do California?
0: Uh, we should. There's not any plans, right, that we currently have now, but no. um, we'll see. One, one never knows. One never knows.
1: Okay, I'd love to do L.A., Luke. You know that's my favorite city in the world, right?
0: you like la the most love la love. i like the food in la i don't like much else
1: wow well, they got bbls there too Luke.
0: they do they do but uh it's so sprawled out everyone sits in traffic and shit like i don't i hate that
1: i don't think you have the same love for the mexican latino that you do for the south american kind Luke.
0: i think you are i think you are desperately wrong about that oh wow
1: okay all right wow all right
0: we're back <laughs> I, I, I i i uh off air, I told you one time. My wife was like, "Who is who's the most attractive starlet in Hollywood?" This was several years ago, and to me, it's just never changed. It's always been Salma Hayek. I realize she's a little bit older now, but Salma Hayek has always been my like.
1: Yeah, she's a Hollywood cigar now for sure. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, it's I mean, forget it. And uh, I'll tell you off air what my wife said about her. You will laugh. You will laugh. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, Alan W is back. He says, "Coming soon, Luke T R T Thomas."
0: Uh, I can't wait to get on fucking TRT, bro. I have so many people write me and tell me um, to get on TRT that it changed their life. I'm going to. BC, I should have it. you know, I haven't really talked about it on the show because I'm trying to keep quiet about it, but I'm pretty happy with it. So I don't know how much of this, well, well, some of this will rebound. But, um, you know, obviously both of us, although me worse, put on some LBs during the pandemic. Uh, I'm down 35 now. 35 that's pounds. Awesome. Can you believe it?
1: Yes. That is great, Luke. I, I, 35. That's great.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my way. So you might be asking how much further do I have to go? Well, the good news is I'm down 35. The are bad you, news is I have a shitload more to go. But Are uh, you plus
1: or minus 250?
0: Plus. Plus. Okay. Okay. But, but the goal is to get... I don't, here's the thing, dude, I haven't, like, even when I was doing jiu-jitsu, I, I was doing jujitsu like four or five days a week, so I was burning all these calories, but I wasn't eating great, so I was in decent shape, but like, not all of my ducks were not in a row. All of this is to say, I don't even know what my natural weight would be anymore, I think, I think it's right around 240, I think 240 is probably a pretty good set point, but we'll have to see, I don't know.
1: Okay, all right. Um, I, I put seven pounds on Jamaica, Luke. I got to get that back.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck. You must have been eating cheese.
1: What were you doing? Well, I suspended my no uh, beef and pork rule to, that I usually have to protect my liver. I suspended yeah. that a little bit. So you know, I had a lot of jerk pork. It was, Oh, so hot. Hot as shit. Luke, if I mean. If you're going to th- th- go on
0: vacation, dude, there's no point in going on vacation and then just being miserable. Fucking eat. And then when you're done, lose the weight, you know.
1: Yeah, die later. It's cool. All right. Jamal's here. He says, real talk, Luke. BC has gone for two weeks. That means the show can now run properly. My first picture is what happens when you leave him to run the show, BC. Let's let's blow this up. When BC hosted the show by himself and decided to talk about the sappiest shit records to end the show for the last several minutes, this is what every Team Luke viewer thought and wished. With your pursed lips. Uh, BC, the second attachment is the pure and true thoughts of what happened afterwards from that show. Luke, I'm a P1 day one of yours and about three or four shows into your original live stream with all your technical issues. You were struggling for people writing in questions, so that's when I started to write you MMA ones, and you answered pretty much everything I did. Also, thanks for sending me down a hip-hop rabbit hole of Jedi mind tricks. I've got love for you from the Peg City. It's Jamal, the Peg City boy, from wpg look what the hell's the peg city
0: i don't know i don't know what that is can
1: we blow this meme up please i don't get this uh so this is supposed to be what happened after i reviewed records and went on vacation uh hashtag bcu ho hashtag replaced all right
0: yeah it's not very funny but i appreciate the nice sentiment
1: yeah, we gotta find out where Peg City is, Luke. All right. Uh Russell says from Oh, the is, it, beautiful- is it
0: was it Winnipeg? It must be Winnipeg, right?
1: Could be. Could be. All right. Uh Russell's is coming in from the beautiful city of Woodstock, Georgia. We still love uh, you here, Luke. I know
0: where Woodstock is.
1: Can't we just go down to Huzar at Cobb Place, play a few rounds? Wouldn't that be cool, Luke?
0: <laughs> I know what he's talking about. That is fuck that's a that's a fucking hilarious reference Uh um, deep
1: cut look can we blow this up what do we got going it on? is
0: my man was uh, you know what he should have said hi when he was here on january 6th in my, my <laughs> can
1: you please blow, blow this up that, let me see uh, this fool
0: Yeah, that's woodstock georgia you're looking at it right there
1: yeah. it. <laughs> all right that guy's got a lot of shirts on though. yeah i, like I mean
0: you. i know could you have five more shirts on jesus christ guy why don't you just use a jacket for crying out loud all right. But thank you for the support. Uh, I'm just teasing.
1: What is Woodstock Georgia known for, Luke?
0: <sighs> Me wanting to get the fuck out of it every time I was in it.
1: Okay. All right. There you go. Uh Alan W is back again. Wow, I thought we just read his name. This is uh the first one is BC's B D E personified. Harold Howard, he's coming on. <laughs> this only works if we take out a few of your teeth. Luke, that's probably me, and that's probably my best case scenario. If I got in really good shape, I would probably look exactly yeah. like Harold. Her- is about
0: is about like semi muscular fat trucker.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow, I you know what? I can pull that look off. If I went for it, I, I probably could. The next is Brian as Street Fighter's Guile. <laughs> you look like an island boy, only that is worse. True. Yes, that is very true. Wow. All right. Brian's an island boy. You didn't see Luke on Have You Seen This Shit on Monday. We not only had a Lars Ulrich toilet in which you can sit on his lap, we had uh, uh, Karate Hottie and Holly Holm dressed up as Island Boys. It was painful to watch. Uh,
0: it sounds like it, yeah.
1: All right, Connor F. says, What's up, donks? Luke, Luke may have been excavate ex, evacuating his bowels off the air, but that didn't stop Monday's MK from being a shit show. As a wise man, Never Met Him once said, Nothing can be said to be certain except death taxes and technical difficulties. Keep up the mediocre work. Wow. This guy sent us to hell, Luke.
0: Yeah, that's what our fans do. I mean, listen, we send them to hell when they send in our pictures, so it's only right that they roast us back.
1: I think that's the uh, This wrong... is hilarious.
0: This is hilarious.
1: Isn't that the wrong meme? This is supposed to be from Connor F. To... Well, guys it's have... from
0: Andrew, so there you go.
1: Alright. I don't think the meme matches the message. Whatever. But, yeah, lifting gloves, we've seen that shit before. Okay, let's see uh, Neil T. He's got four photos. Greetings from God's own country of South Yorkshire. Just a few memes for you guys. If you want to just show the memes and ignore the text, feel free. A couple are for Luke from his week in Vegas. First one, <laughs> showing his love for Carl from The Walking Dead. You're correct Fuck this kid.
0: Me. Yeah. Fuck this kid. This kid, I could not wait for this piece of shit to die.
1: Uh, the second meme showing us, Luke shows us his dream way to end MK shows. <laughs> yeah, Why good. is Brian black? Yeah. Uh, all right. See attached. Then a couple for our man from Connecticut. The first showing is daily struggles of MK.
0: Can you? Pl- yes. I-, I can't read the second one. Can you blow it up? Make a serious <laughs> MMA observation. He hits the one on the left more times than he should, but yeah, that's fair.
1: And the last one is just BC being BC. Cheers for all you do, guys.
0: <laughs> Dude, this is a good one. This yeah, is a good, good This is the old Steven Crowder meme.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All <laughs> right, Alan W again. Do we is this the same guy or do we just what's going on here? Thanks to MK, my crotch is now smooth. It's a look that says, hey, you can put your mouth here. Now, here's a play on Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg's nothing but a G-thang. Please blow it up. Is
0: that the trimmer in our hands?
1: Yeah, ain't nothing but shave balls, baby. 2 washed out 40s, so we're crazy. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I
0: know. I like, What is your show about? Um, it's me and another guy. We're in our 40s and we're washed. That's yeah. it. That's, that's the show.
1: All right, our final one from Scott H. I did some arting. This piece is called The Creation of Combat. If you think it's good enough to go on the fridge beside BC's macaroni art, I will send it to you, Donks. Let's see what we got here. Reveille, reveille, Donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our There's passion. No that's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: That is, dude, this is, um, I might have to get that as a tattoo. That is yeah, that's incredible. Pretty,
1: that's, that's pretty damn good. Shout out to you. That's Scotty. really,
0: really, really good
1: morning at gmail.com if you've got some art or you want to send us wearing your mer- our merch whatever i don't care hey uh bill and jen by the way luke do you see they circled back and went to grand teton in wyoming the pictures were amazing and they said luke they'll be in the east coast this spring so we should get ready because you said when they drive by in jersey city you won't come out and say hi but you'll yell out the window that's what you
0: yeah, I'll just fart out the window and, you know, wave. But that's about it. No, no, I would love to meet them. I think uh, they're an unusual couple. And, um, you know, they'll probably poison us and throw us in the back of their van and take us on their journey with them. We I don't should know. do a we'll
1: show see. from their camper. That'd be fantastic,
0: right? We should do a podcast from there, which we could do, by the way. That's yeah. very doable. All
1: right. All right. That's all I got, Luke. I got this raging headache from, from the two drinks I had. Last... I'm old.
0: What were the drinks?
1: They yeah, were like uh Moscow mule in a can type deals. You know, it's my it's my drink. You know what I mean, Luke?
0: Man, you love that.
1: Yeah, it was like ginger and something else. I don't know. Luke, wait. All you right. Know
0: what uh, as a reminder for folks, email us for Friday's dead wrong morning combat at gmail.com. We will get to those. We'll, of course, preview all of the weekend's fights. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, Showtime is the label that pays us and you can see all of our socials down there as well if you want to give us a follow Morning Combat is the name everywhere BC and I have slightly different names between that and Instagram Go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial if you like it, you can keep it If not, please pound sand Um, Give us a five-star review if you're listening on whatever podcast platform in particular and not limited to though Apple if you're so inclined And don't forget the store, MorningCombat.store All the merch is up, tons of goodies for the holidays that you can get there. BC, any final thoughts before we call it a show?
1: No,
0: I don't don't care. I don't care. care. Uh, Thanks to all the fan submissions. Thanks to everyone who watched today. See you guys on Friday. And then for Malka for Showtime for CBS, all of your gains.